0: All right. So today we're just going to read a medium article.
1: Do we going to read Silent article? Of course. I mean, why? why would we add any words?
0: All right. M map. This is just called it mem map. yes. No, because he he sent me like today like the topic for today and I kept remembering it as N map. Yeah, as an as is if M was which is arbitrary a, which letter. Which
1: is a thing and a totally different thing. N map. Yeah. It's network mm. mapping, right? Okay. Network
2: port mapping. Yeah, they couldn't
0: have just called netmap or M- memmap.
2: It's it probably a- existed before nmap, though. What did? Memory mapping as a concept.
0: I believe it. Yeah. I mean, no, I still don't know why they couldn't have called it memmap.
2: No, nmap should have just been called netmap.
0: Yeah, that wouldn't have helped the case of mmap.
2: What? It would. It How? Would. Because then it wouldn't be ambiguous anymore. Yeah. No,
0: it's not like when you... So you know for sure that Nmap is network mapping?
2: No, but if it was NetMap, I would be pretty confident. So anyway, let's, let's, let's <laughs> approach our topic, Nmap.
1: <laughs> let's look it up. What is Nmap? The Network Mapper. A free and open source network spanner, scanner. Spammer. Spammer. Created by Gordon Lyon.
0: Yeah, this sounds like a technology that no one uses anymore, although a stable release in 2019.
1: Anyway, so the thing we're talking about is going to be MMAP, which <laughs> is memory mapping. Uh, in Linux, it's called MMAP, in Windows, it's just called file memory mapping. It's the idea of having a file that is directly imported into your memory. And then you manipulate it.
0: Yeah, but it's not like just into memory arbitrarily. Whenever you open a file, you're loading it in memory. It's shared memory.
1: Whenever you open a file, you are not loading it in memory, not standardly.
0: Are you saying mmap is what you use to just generically, regardless of where in memory, just if you want to load a file into memory, you're using mmap?
1: No, no, you aren't. Okay, so what do you typically do when you? Load I say a file? like f open. Yeah, you say f open. Okay. Oh, so let's look at the Python version of fopen. Uh, Python, open a file, and you have code that looks like this, right? It's like open file, and typically you either have f.read, which would read your whole file and put it into memory, yeah, or you have read line.
0: Yeah, but, like, just by doing open or even just by doing read, you're saying this, or you're about to tell me whether this actually, like, pulls the file into memory. Like, my strong assumption is that it does.
1: So, just by doing open, you definitely don't pull the file into memory because Mm. you could have several problems. Like, you can store files that are bigger than your memory, right? Hard disks. Typically, hard disks are bigger than your memory. So, you could definitely have files that are bigger than your memory.
0: This is... Shoot, but my assumption would be that it's like just paging the file into memory.
1: Right, okay. So then it'll load the first page of the file into memory. Okay, so opening... But opening doesn't do that. I don't, I'm don't. i pretty sure it doesn't do that in most languages. Okay, read line. Read line does. It goes to disk and yep. it reads a bunch of the file. Yep. And then it just keeps going in Python until it finds a new line character and returns you that. So it does start paging the file into memory. But mmap is different. It goes to disk and it grabs the whole file and it just shits that file into your memory.
0: Okay, so it just crash if it's not there. Or, or it's virtual memory and then it's like, pull it into virtual memory. Oh, there's not enough. Let me put it back into swap.
1: If it starts putting it into swap, it's putting it back in the disk. Disk, yeah. <laughs> That would be super weird. Okay, but maybe but, we can look it up later. No, why would you want this?
0: Why would you want this thing to just load the whole file into memory? Yes. Caching. Yeah. Oh. Huh? Well, to some extent, right? So there's some... Bad. I'm a brilliant student. Very good. Did you know that? What was your guess going to be?
2: Well, I mean, why else would you want the whole thing in memory?
0: Given your uh, earlier precedence of using NMAP... I would say probably just to crash
1: random computers, security holes, exploit what? security <laughs> holes. <laughs> Go on. Now, why do you want this caching? The real benefit you can really get out of this.
0: Sorry, can I actually clarify caching? I thought, like, if you have an implementation of cache,
1: okay. like, if
0: you if I was implementing Redis, yeah, and I had, like, stored memory to, you know, I, I persist memory to disk because I think Redis has this persist yeah. to disk. And then you start it up. I'd be like, oh, use Nmap to pull all of that cache in. Okay. Please. Yes. Okay. File so okay, okay, But you'd make cache as in just... It is It
1: is typically faster than a file seek, file read. Just memory mapping a file. Because it is literally going to the OS and going like, I want this whole file. Don't worry about it. Just pull as much as you can. Just put it into a contiguous block of memory.
0: Uh,
1: I see there's that as well. But like- and there's that as well. The whole point... Here is now you have one contiguous block of memory that represents your file.
0: Can I ask the okay? So so then there is this assumption that mmap can somehow request a contiguous block of memory.
1: Mmap will will request a contiguous block of memory. In which case, and if case, it fails to allocate yes. that memory, yeah, it will crash. It, it'll throw an exception. And you will have to be able to handle that exception, which so you, it kind of
0: answers my question. I think then in that case, it probably wouldn't send it to swap. It's not contiguous anymore. If I can, only, oh, that is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm.
1: So you get this contiguous block memory, and what's the beautiful parts about contiguous memory? Let's say you're loading a database or something like yeah. that in memory. You can do random access anywhere along that contiguous block. You don't have to do file seek and go like, oh, okay, I'm seeking to the nth element and then, like, have a hard disk platter spin or whatever.
0: So. Okay, fair enough. So, like, the the main thing, the only thing that mmap does, though, is contiguously load things into...
1: memory. Okay. But, but... Yes. Why... Okay, so now I want to tell you a story. I want to change this completely. Why did I get interested in mmap? Yeah. Because it's nothing to do with my job, and yes. I don't normally care about contiguously allocated memory too much. Yes. Someone came to me and said... In my previous job, I used memory map files, and it was the fastest way to do IPC faster than anything else. It was more stable. It was great. It was amazing. I was like, okay, I'm starting a new hobby project. I thought, I'm exploring a bunch of things. One of the things I and thought was And as we all do, we want IPC in our hobby projects. We want IPC. I mean, you end up doing some IPC eventually in case you create two processes and want them to talk. Okay. I made a Python web server, and I made a C++ Thing, and I was like, oh, the Python needs to talk to the C++ when there's no way I'm writing a C++ web server.
0: Okay, just to clarify, though, you could have probably found a IPC-based library somewhere that could have solved this problem for you. But from an enthusiast-level perspective, you decided to re-implement IPC.
2: Well, to be fair... This, like, no this, one's this recommending
0: our... re-implement IPC using MMAP.
2: No, no, but this is already a form of IPC.
0: Using MMAP?
2: Yeah. No, is. you
0: probably build IPC on top of MMAP.
2: Well, why don't we let Dexter tell you?
0: No, it. I just want this on record. You're an idiot.
2: No, no, no. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. If <laughs> somebody's like, I'm going to use gRPC for IPC, you're not like, oh, you're re implementing IPC through gRPC. No, gRPC. That's, that's just using it for what it's there for. So using MMAP. map is not For, for IPC.
1: It's it's just one of the ways you do IPC. Okay. So
2: I'm with you
0: on your story so far.
1: Yeah. That you he said mmap is the fastest way of doing IPC. You also, had a
0: use case of wanting to do IPC and, and so I you're was like,
1: like well, let's, let's use it. mmap. There's a trick in mmap. You can load a memory map into a file. But let's say you have another process that also wants to access that file. You can just be like First file, when you load this memory map, load it as map shared.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. So. And, and the
1: second what? file will be like, oh, there's memory allocated with that file. I'll just go access it. What? So mmap, I believe, is typically allocated in shared memory.
0: Okay. Okay. Fair. Fair Like, enough. even
1: if the map is private. So we're conflating
2: two things here, though. Or you're saying that mmap is typically done in shared memory, but does mmap write everything back to the file? So if you're using it for IPC,
1: are you just uselessly writing to disk when you don't have to? No, it, mmap does not write to the file unless you call. I think there's a, there's a Linux like thing for it called mumap or something. I, I to flush what, to disk. To flush to disk. Okay. I didn't use the API of mmap directly. I used the boost wrapper on top. But I'm going to just open up. Oh, yay. C++. I'm going to open up the implementation. This is like rough prototype code. I was just messing around. Everything's named terribly. and I'm doing things like taking the address of the memory and just putting a struct in there and stuff like that. Let me just you
0: literally to... start with... Using namespace boost interprocess. Yes, is, is this an IPC library built on top of mmap?
1: Yes, it, it's it's an IPC library. Pointnator. What? I it's an IPC library in general. It supports mmap as one of its.
2: Oh, if I had a I'm mic
1: to drop other than the mic that I'm we're using for this sure, podcast, I'd have dropped
2: your it. Here. We're both agreeing that they're using it for IPC.
0: No, my disclaimer was that we're not saying that you should use mmap for IPC in the sense that, like, don't go re-implementing IPC on top of mmap. Probably just use a IPC-based client library that already supports IPC out of the box for you.
2: But but there could be reasons for wanting to use Mmap specifically. Like
0: re-implementing a yeah, library. Yeah, I'm
2: not yeah yeah. But like if I told you I was doing IPC over TCP, it doesn't mean I'm re-implementing GRPC.
0: That's true.
2: So if I'm telling you I'm using Somehow
0: I feel like that is an unrelated comment though.
2: Then I don't know what we're arguing about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but alright. I'm gonna walk you through the code. So First thing I do is create a file. First thing I do is, in fact, remove an old file if it exists. I don't want to read old memory. Okay, okay. Uh, then I say, open a new file, uh, open it in binary, truncate that file if it exists, blah, blah, blah. This is standard C++ file handling. Okay. Um, and, then, and you're
0: opening it using just standard file open.
1: And I'm opening it using standard file open. And I'm saying seek to zero. Could you could you go to the top of the file? What is what is read write? You can open it as mm-hmm. read only, right? Or you can open it as read write.
2: Right, but that's a variable that I don't see defined. It no, it's with. not. You're right. Uh, uh, namespaces. Namespaces always there. Always there. Uh,
0: Next, uh another point away from C
2: you're right no other language has namespaces but you know what actually this I'm, is a variable it's just a yeah, variable yeah. in that namespace mm-hmm.
0: actually I'm not used to uh, I, 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 at least at the moment I'm not familiar with a language that can just say hey using namespace and that goes away with does from
2: blah import blah python. oh
0: python okay fine fair enough to rewind what you've done is at this point you are opening a file using mmap yeah and you're and the file I'm name is to like i
1: right privileges right okay and uh this is me saying, hey, give me all of the file as a memory-mapped region uh, called segment, where I can get the address. Oh,
0: the first part is just instantiating the mfile mfile type.
1: This, this is this is doing the mmap bit.
0: It it is actually mapping it into memory. This is
1: actually mapping it into memory, I believe. And the second line is then just trying to get me information about that mapped file, like the segment, the actual segment. So you can. Okay, so the way this boost library kind of works is deliberately confusing, where you can choose segments of that big file that you've mapped into memory and start messing with those segments. So you can hand off half a segment to one thread, the other half of the segment to the next thread, and so on. All right. You don't necessarily need to bother about that. But whatever. You get a segment at the end of the day. You get .get segment.getAddress, and I'm reinterpreting casting as a row pointer. Mm. All sensible, great C++. And I'm putting some data in there.
0: Wait, wait, wait. Oh, this is super interesting, actually. I, like, I, I've i never actually seen code that manipulates data in a file quite like this. Like, well, I'm not. I'm digging it in memory. So are you just saying that this is just a region of memory that has this file identifier? Like that's the way you're looking at this?
1: At this point, I am treating this like memory. Just, yeah. It's raw memory. I mean, literally raw memory. I'm just saying, reinterpret this bit of memory as my data type.
0: Right, right. Okay, um, right. So... It's been mm, mm like... Interesting.
1: But let me show you the Python side of this. Dude, that's actually really, really interesting.
0: Like... And there are some cases where I'm like writing to file for I guess kind of caching purposes, but I don't need it in text format, and you could just be creating objects, and when you're done with it, you just go like, okay, all the objects.
2: See that that doesn't work with references, though. You ca- end up you end up cleaning them ca- up. Yeah, yeah. So if, like what I'm imagining is you want to serialize out your program state or something and then load it back later. Right.
0: We have like a case for that.
2: Yeah. But but what happens if you have pointers, if you have references, you serialize serialize it out to this file yeah, and so then there, read it back. There are through. a bunch
1: of recommendations about how mm-hmm. this boost library should be used and what kind of data you should put in there.
0: But like you could, oh, okay, okay, fair enough. But like could you could have like a global vector of points, right? Like just say that some part of your program state is a vector of points. Mm-hmm. And as long as that's not a reference or doesn't hold references, so
2: you know what I do find interesting. is... Why are
0: you not letting me finish that thought? Like that's legal, right?
2: No, no, no. Oh, so you have to listen to what <laughs> I find good interesting. Good <laughs> good good good. Good. <laughs> no, but but where you're leading, I think is um,
1: you can you can specify I'm not leading
0: anywhere. You have a vector of points that don't hold references. You can't save that to a file. You
1: can definitely save that to a file. That was all my, right, you're that saying was... a boring
2: thing. I'm going to tell you a more interesting thing. Okay. Though, is uh, you can provide your own allocators in C++. You can say, hey, here's this <laughs> block of memory. Allocate everything to there. Okay, I see. All right. All right. Yeah. That Apart is from issue. that,
1: that's very fancy. But Boost provides this great thing, which I actually found quite clever. Offset pointers. So unique pointer, shared pointer, etc. blah, blah, blah offset pointer
0: oh.
1: allocate at this pointer offset and that's what they recommend using for the internals of structs that you're planning on storing in a shared map because they'll be located at offset at a known offset to this I, I mean this isn't very the, easy to use no it's, it's pretty easy to use because the <laughs> data inside <laughs> in- are you Gap- calling me stupid no yes <laughs> <laughs> The data inside encapsulates the nature of the data, right? If there's an array of 13 elements or a vector of 13 elements, it's going to start with, hey, this is vector and its size is 13 elements.
0: Okay, so I think I already have, like you were just describing, like, basically your program's use case so far is that you use mmap to really just allocate a, a like. Sh-
1: a shared memory.
0: Shared memory. Arbitrary shared memory that happens to have a. A ident- file backing right exactly or like a file identifier and then the operating system can just pretty much take that shared memory and just dump it into the file and i'm imagining it as just like bit to bit copy like what's not
1: it's not even a copy both programs are using the same memory when when a thing changes in that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so then it begs the question how do you lock
0: okay okay fair enough but so so far your example like demonstrates all right you can just allocate memory take structs in c++ and pretty much go like i'm going to allocate memory it happens to be that i'm allocating memory into that mmap yeah and it's a relatively straightforward api but i i just still think it's going to be a lot of like coordination between the two like if you're going to build an ipc library on top of mmap you're going to need a lot of things to help with just I'm not even talking about locking. No, no, no. primitives. I'm not even talking about that. Just like those two different programs need to understand how one program has saved memory and saved state.
1: But that's true of any IPC library, right? You say, Mm. even GRPC, you say this is my proto buff or whatever.
0: Maybe you're going to say that this is exactly the same thing that you would do with MMAP. But with MMAP, if I'm program number one, right, and I store, you know... Foo, you sure? or append to a vector yeah. that happens to be shared. Process number two does not know because bits did not arrive at its port. It like, does know. It does know.
1: I mean, when it goes to look, it ah, okay, will see so you're that like the length spin. of the vector has changed.
0: So you're assuming that both these processes have some sort of a spin over the entire memory.
1: So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that, then, it, then it comes to how do you synchronize, right? It's a synchronization primitive. How do we notify the other process that data is ready for consumption? Are those the two same things?
0: I could assume that you would want synchronicity, but like, can, can you just do, no, can we start with just notify?
1: Wait. Yeah, sure, sure. What I mean by synchronize is just how do we, how do we synchronize the whole thing of like, hey, one process is writing. How does the other process know that it's done writing?
0: Or that it is even writing. Or, or that it grows, Yeah, or that it
2: we can We can look at this in the context of, like, two threads in the same process. Uh, the same thing happens. You can append to a vector that another thread has access to. How does it know the vector? The same way this would You Like, when you go to access the vector, you're like, well, it was here. So now when I go to access it, it's going to have to No, no, no. Walk see me, how long it is. And walk me the-
0: through that like I'm real stupid. I have no idea what you just said. Okay. Because what you're saying is, let's look at this and a... Th- like from the same way as I want to communicate between two threads, right? Right. Because what we're trying to do here is communicate between two processes mm-hmm. using mmap. map.
2: Right. So so the threads can share memory, right?
0: Yeah. So you've got, you spin off thread one, you spin off thread two. They both happen to have v- access to a vector. Right.
2: Vector okay. A, let's say, is at this position in memory. Yeah. So if I append to vector A. Yeah. And then the other guy goes to read from vector A.
0: So far, what you've described doesn't sound like IPC to me, right? Like, I want to communicate something to thread B from thread A, just to be clear. Maybe you're getting to that. But so far, what you've described to me is just, we have I, shared memory. We if, don't have If we can share IPC. memory,
2: then we can communicate stuff to each other. i I yeah, yeah, communicated yeah, yeah. to you that this vector has changed size, just because when you check the vector, you'll see it's got a new size.
0: That's weird. Okay, okay, keep going, keep going. Or is that as far as you want to go with that? Because what I would want is some mechanism of being able to... Like, I'm just imagining an API on process B side, which is, hey, process A just called, you know, Mm-hmm. And I want to return a value for get boo. Or, like, process A... Just went like, went to ask process B for some value. So, when, when, we, when we say we want to build IPC, right? Mm-hmm. Can we have a practical example that we want to try to build out?
2: But you could, you could feasibly just build out a channel. So, I think what is missing is you won't be able to say, okay, process A has some callback I want to call from process B. Right, you won't be able to directly call the other callback. But in process A, you could have a thing that's pulling right. something in the memory, or both sides, or both sides. And then it's like, okay, this has changed. That means it's got some new data for me. Right. So Which, you do have to pull it, I guess. Although not necessarily. I'm assuming. We'll and find I'm I'm later.
0: curious. Like Carl has been particularly silent while we've been theorizing about this. So like, yeah, for me right now, what's missing is everything you've described to me makes sense. Makes sense. And the only way to implement. IPC, yeah. where someone is being told actively, like process A tells process B yeah. actively about go look at this information or hear some information, you have to do like spin weight kind of thing.
1: Yes. That's fair, right? Yes, that is true. Yeah. But what is a spin weight?
0: It's basically just a thread, like I, so, I, both processes. What is
1: a synchronization mechanism that isn't a spin weight? Right, okay, yeah. I was. So there is, say. there is another one. Mm. which is you can send it um, an interrupt
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right
1: uh, and that's the other option that's more embedded style I would say than a spin wait
0: there isn't a primitive provided on top of mmap there isn't a, a specific okay. one
1: I think there is this thing called iNotify right which works for files like I've written to a file or the file yeah, has but I think I think that doesn't work with mmap actually that'd be pretty good like,
0: instead of a spin weight, you might just go, like, hey, t- uh... You not- yep. you, yeah. should-
1: you, s- you set up a watch and a file, and the kernel will tell you when that file is changed. Right. So That would be the equivalent of a condition variable, though,
2: I guess. Of, like, how else... Like, there's right. not really any other way to notify things between threads yeah. as well. You usually use a condition variable. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which I think
1: ends up being a spin somewhere yeah. anyway. But... Okay. But yeah, I think no matter what, you, you have a spin wave. Right. Like that's how that's how notification is implemented. No matter what, as far as I know,
0: that's what I was saying. Like well, like you of,
1: said, you can have hardware interrupts. You then. could have hardware interrupts.
0: Yeah, I don't know how you would do a hard uh, how you would utilize a hardware interrupt for this. But that's what I was saying earlier <laughs> that you might say that this is the same because what, my example was bits show up at a port, but even bits showing up at a port, I think use like something called epoll in yeah. linux that are just it's literally checking the hardware buffer are yeah. there new bits are there any bits yeah so I,
2: I think the only thing i've experienced that isn't a spin weight is on like a microprocessor when you get a timer interrupt
1: for example right. it's yeah. not pulling it it's it's, it's time hardware works. actually
0: yeah. actively telling hey something's up
1: yeah no but, it's, it's hardware hmm. saying the clock has said that the time is now
0: right okay fair enough fair but enough. but I mean, that okay.
1: essentially is a spin weight. It's just in hardware with a clock going like, this much time has gone, time to check.
0: Okay, fair enough. But there, there's no actual process that wakes up, checks state, and then goes like, oh, not that. So there's
1: this thing called I notify.
0: What I'm willing to accept as an answer right now, right? Yeah. And I think all the other answers that you've given me so far are, are just built on top of that. Is that in order to communicate from process A to process B about shared memory... Like that, I've written, wrote, sent, deleted, modified memory and shared memory. You use
1: a shared memory lock.
0: You, you use spin, right now, just you to communicate. Yeah. Some form of spin and checking yeah. of that memory, some memory. Sure,
1: but I I don't understand a world where you don't use spin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. No, I don't understand like a computer program where you wouldn't use spin for checking a periodically. Like it's easier for
0: me to understand how yeah. I'm going to build IPC using something like UDP or TCP because. But Part of spend. the protocol, yeah. But underneath TCP and UDP, they use something like epoll, anyways. Yeah. So that's fair. Like, but I guess it was just easier for me to imagine that you do IPC. How to do IPC over TCP because it is just an event-driven interface, right?
2: And this is not. And this is not. But like, you could you could just implement
1: a pub sub on top of this. Uh, on top of mmap, yes, yeah. yeah.
0: using some sort of spin.
1: No, yeah. without with like using mmap as the spin, and then you implement a spin that works and you implement like a so of like, like
2: imagine you have grpc, but instead of doing an e-poll on TCP, it's doing a, a poll on some... Memory. Some... Em- memory f- map.
1: Yeah, region of the memory that you memory map. All right, so I wanted to show you all the Python implementation. So what did I do? And you're talking about synchronization primitives.
0: Right, so now, just to clarify, what I've understood so far is that, like, okay, how am I going to communicate between process A and process B, something has changed? What I still haven't understood in this pursuit of implementing IPC using MMAP, yeah. is how do we synchronize
1: the two processes?
0: In terms of, hey, I'm writing right now, please don't write. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally locking over state.
2: Why couldn't you just store? Um Mm, never mind, because a mutex a mutex is not
0: be... just memory yeah there is something special about like and I definitely don't remember mutex it is definitely a CPU level construct though yeah.
1: so there are several ways to lock down an area of memory to pre- uh, what I did in Python was I completely ignored it because <laughs> I kind of know I kind of know that the way that the C++ is going to just write that struct it's going to be contiguous and it's not going to give up the context and python is so
0: you ignored all the problems we discussed
1: i ignored the synchronization problem okay which is more
0: you also ignored the like because i think another thing that if i was assuming that there was an ipc library would be doing is the process can randomly kind of just say store this memory Mm -hmm. but the library is going to be able to way of have a way of communicating some header information to say, hey, how do I want to interpret this new stored memory? Because I'm assuming that the so only what, thing, you're thing you're not sharing did, is like one struct.
1: So if we look in Python, what, what that T struct looks like, I've called it state in Python just to keep it <laughs> consistently different. Okay, sure. It just looks like an X, Y, and a Z with C type C double, which okay. is the same as that struct.
0: Maybe I'm not asking this question well enough. For like,
1: I'm relying on the fact yeah. that struct packing is between
0: two processes between two
1: languages is almost certainly the same.
0: Like literally the same at zero. You will have T struct. One T-struck. That is what struct. That is what you're assuming, right?
1: That is That's what I'm assuming because that's what I've constructed. That I knew. Okay, so but I'm also relying on NDNS being the same because I'm running it on the same computer. I'm relying <laughs> on the yeah. fact that C++ is going to pack its bytes in the same way. Like, it's going to split its, like, ah, ah, data I, I the see, same I way that Python's going to interpret it because Python can do this thing called C-types. Did it work? It does work. Oh, wow. It does work. So, we can see it working. Uh, I'm going to show it off. And all you're going to see is the number is going up because we have it counting up to...
0: Is like one process counting and the other process generating?
1: The One process is going up to 10,000 and putting in, saving it to memory mm-hmm. every step. Yeah. And the Python process is trying to read as fast as it can. Mm-hmm. And both of them don't have any sleeps, so they're just doing it as fast as they can. Oh, wow. Um, so... That- what if you, if both of them start writing? What happens then?
0: Should breaks down Should breaks no, down no, It okay. gets
1: much, it, That Then you need Synchronization from it This is why I have One writer and one reader
0: Like I'd assume That memory looks like Total junk at that point Like Seven bits are from One struct Seven bits are from The other struct And nine bits are from
2: you know, This brings up and Like what you were saying About the being the same And it being the same They write more
1: I think they write More than a byte at a time the- yeah, yeah yeah
0: I guess I meant like Just I like how He ignored my conversation bit you ignored his conversation, Rick, <laughs> and we came full circle.
2: No, but I was I was just responding to earlier conversation, which was the endiness being the same, and yeah. and you're assuming everything's the same. But like, you could feasibly use this across different computers. You could. What? What?
1: what no, not M- <laughs> <laughs> not Not M- ML, but like <laughs> we're, we're looking at it. Well, who's
0: printing what right now? We're just so, oh Python so, is printing Python. We have-
1: Yeah, we have C++. It's just shitting into memory as fast as it can. Python's reading as fast as it can from this file, Mm. from this memory, really. And as you can see, it is always consistent. Okay. You always see the same data because they're all set to I and they set at the same time. So you never see any data tearing, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting in itself. But you can also see Python is just struggling to keep up. Where it's reading 976. And then it's reading that. Actually, this right, is, right. Oh, yeah. No. So, it is always consistent. Like, by the course, next
0: time Python has read something, it's been upped by, like, 2,000. Yeah. Okay.
1: And I don't know what what the reason for that is, whether...
0: I have to say, this is significantly easier than I thought. Like, the API for mMap. I, you know, I'm consistently surprised by, yeah. like, uh, however the arcane or, like, the edges of... You know, those weird bits of software that you don't really deal with, and then your brain starts to kind of say that, oh, that must be some really arcane-looking, weird code. But it's actually just relatively standard API. You, you literally, there's like a function where you, it looks exactly the same as opening a regular file. Yeah. And at some point, you do one line that says, hey, read this bit of segment out, which is still a line that I don't completely understand. But it's one line, yeah. and then after that, you're just creating a struct, yeah. and all of a sudden, the other program has access to that struct.
1: Yeah, and I would say like the way like the things I did in C++ to keep it compliant with writing to Python. So how
0: much lines of code was that? Like per program, it was like forty lines of code, it's and
1: probably, you're... probably forty lines.
0: each. That it it meant like opening a file, creating a file, opening yeah. a file, sharing the file, and creating uh, like data in that. Yeah, it,
1: it probably needs to be ten lines of Python and forty lines of C++.
0: Mm, because of C++. Because
1: of C++. It might even be less lines of C++ if I start deleting half the comments and the crap that I wrote.
0: I really think the world deserves at least one podcast where we shit on C++ altogether. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it'd be such a therapeutic kind yeah, of... It's pretty therapeutic. I, I'd love it if there was a podcast out there. Just, just, just whine about C++.